The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. We have wonderful Nathan Miller, our new producer for the show, newly installed. He's at the board and ready to go. Glad that you are coming along for the ride. Today, we're going to peer into the Old West and admire the new within the state of Arizona. It's sort of interesting when you look at Arizona, let's say you're taking the bird's eye view, it seems that the nerve center of Phoenix and the large, impressive, very busy city of Tucson, I've been to both, they are oddly bookended by Oatman, a town to the north, regarded as a living ghost town, and to the south, Bisbee, Arizona, with a very colorful history of its own. Lots of adventure there and about a seven hour drive going from one end to the other. And you're going to brush up against Route 66 as well. And you will have an experience of the stark contrasts to be found in Arizona as you look backward and forward in what was once called the Old West and now the Desert Southwest. This is American Road Trip Talk, and our buddy Jamie Jensen is going to be joining us to talk about that particular road trip and all that it affords the very curious and the adventuresome. Stick with us. We'll be back with more with the interview on the other side of this short break. At last, the holidays are here, and so is Ridgeland. Shop, dine, celebrate, and immerse yourself in the spirit of the season. The Ridgeland Retail Trail has a gift for everyone on your list. So wrap it in Ridgeland and book one of our special Slay and Stay hotel packages. Learn more at visitridgeland.com. Hashtag VisitMS responsibly. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you're studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. Jamie Jensen, growing up along Route 66 in Southern California, Jamie was immersed in road trip culture at an early age. Back then, freeways were new, cheeseburgers cost a quarter, and it seemed every beach had a waterfront amusement park. Family road trips to national parks and historic sites nurtured an appreciation of the USA's distinctive natural landscapes, one-of-a-kind attractions, and unexpected local traditions. A summer break from studying architecture in college, 
turned into a two-year odyssey, driving, hiking, biking, and even hitchhiking all over the continent. That gave rise to a wonderful book, which is now in its 25th anniversary edition. The book is called Road Trip USA, Cross-Country Adventures on America's Two-Lane Highways. Jamie Jensen is no stranger to any highway in America, and we're so happy to have him back with us once again. Welcome, Jamie. Gary, it's great to be with you. Today, Jamie, we want to put the focus on Arizona. We're looking back to the Old West, and we're looking at the present and perhaps the future in a state that has just about something for everyone. And I look at Oatman to the north. I, I mentioned odd bookend arrangement. Oatman to the north, Bisbee to the south, very close to, I think it's only 11 miles from the Mexican border. And in between, you've got Phoenix, you've got Tucson. Someone can make within the borders of Arizona a wonderful road trip. And it sounds to me like you've done it. I have done it there and back many times. In fact, Arizona was one of the first places I discovered the, the kind of living history of especially roads like Route 66. This, it has the longest, most interesting stretch of that old highway, and it passes through some beautiful places. And there's so there's such variety in Arizona, from the old mining towns to the old, you know, tombstone shoot 'em up wild west towns to the magnificent scenery of places like the Grand Canyon and Monument Valley. It really is, especially when the weather starts getting colder everywhere else, which we we think it might someday soon. But it's a fantastic state to explore. And when a guy like you gets out there and you serve as is uh a little bit of a canary in our traveling coal mine here, if you don't mind that reference, Jamie, because we try to figure out how can we do this affordably, first of all. And this time of year, people are concerned about winterizing their vehicles. And yet there's so much that we want to get out and see. If you start from the north, for example, Oatman, and I did a little re reading for show prep, of course, Oatman, Bisbee, up north, not far from Kingman, you abut Route 66, or is it more accurate to say that Oatman, which was a glorious town in its way and is rich with Western history, a living ghost town, does that actually exist now on traversable stretches of Route 66? Yes. Yeah. And it, it was the, I, as far as I understand it, it was the first stretch of Route 66 to get designated as a historic route. So it's it's the stretch that um, runs from Oatman, and then you can head over toward the Grand Canyon, but it, it was missed by the interstate by a long way. So you're not really in the shadow of the modern world. You actually feel like you're back in the, the glory days of, you know, it's not ancient history. It's in 1939, Clark Gable got married in Oatman or spent the night in Oatman after he spent his honeymoon there. So it has, you know, that for some people that may seem like a long, long time ago, but it's still living history for some people. And, you know, there's an incredible Native American history and heritage around some of these places. Some of that is actually really coming back now where they're building like that Grand Canyon skywalk that people may have heard where you can actually it's like a bridge built out over the Grand Canyon that you can gaze down through a glass bottomed bridge. So there's the new and the old, there's um, just about something for everyone. And it's wide open spaces, which are really kind of increasingly rare these days when everyone's kind of so crammed in on the highways. Well, that's absolutely the case. Jamie, if uh, someone starts out in Oakman, they get there, maybe they've gassed up and, and fed themselves in Kingman, and then they make their way to Oakman, they're going to begin this trek. 
while you're in Oatman, maybe you stay a night. Who knows? What can people find there? I want to be looking for those wild burrows that are said to be walking the streets. Yeah, you can't miss them. They make themselves known the minute you get close. I mean, Oatman is it's kind of rough and tumble. It's where, you know, it, it's got a, a kind of alternative element to it that, you know, Tim McVeigh hung out there um, before doing the awful things he did in Oklahoma City. So it's a real kind of crusty um, Americana. It's not the kind of quaint Americana that you might get down in Bisbee, say at the other end of this trip we're talking about where it's much more artistic and there's fine dining. But the, the thing that I like about Oatman is it's you know a day trip from Las Vegas. So if you want to get the extremes of America, the, the kind of bright lights, big city of Las Vegas, and then you know, off the grid, more or less up in Oatman, it's only what an hour and away, something like that. And you, you cross over the Boulder Dam, um, getting down into Arizona. It's just wonderful. And if you wanted you, if you have the time to explore the drive toward the Grand Canyon is spectacular. And you know, continues across the northern tier. But you can also cruise on down through Phoenix and Tucson and see just so many different aspects of America. There's, you know, historic sites, Indian reservations, wonderful. Um, there's a Joshua Tree Forest, which nobody's heard of because it's not the national park. It's just there. But it's kind of fantastic to go and see. And that's what, uh, to me, is really appealing about Arizona is there's lots of stuff that you can set out to see. But there's also just amazing scenery everywhere you go. That is absolutely the case. Before we leave Oatman, though, in terms of accommodations, maybe museums, are there any staged Wild West shootouts? I mean, if a person's going to be in Oatman, yes, have a look. But what is there to enjoy for someone who might want to be there for a day or two? Well, if you, I mean, it's it's the industrial heritage, um, the, the scenery, the vistas from the high mountains. It's not a big place. I mean, if you want the Wild West stage shootouts, you got to go to a place like Tombstone, Arizona, which is at the other end of the route. That's much more kind of theatrical and popular. Oatman, I think, is just kind of that rough and tumble, dusty old times. But it's, it is quite beautiful in itself. And there's the burrows. There's the old Oatman Hotel. They've actually got Clark Gable's honeymoon suite that you can, I don't know if you can stay in it, but you can certainly peer in through a, the, the door and see where he and Carol Lombard spent their night together. And it kind of gives you a sense of how much the world has changed in the past many years, but also that that lifestyle still kind of maintains itself to this day. So it's a it's an interesting contrast to Vegas and Tucson and Phoenix and all these kind of hustle and bustle places. You know, uh, Jamie, when people choose a ghost town, and, and I definitely can see a future visit there between us because uh, there are ghost towns in various states. I mean, you can look at the old ghosts of, of Utah and New Mexico, certainly California, just a lot of them around. But when people go to ghost towns, this is a living ghost town. And both, from what I understand, both Oatman and Bisbee could have just become ghost towns in the classic sense, but they didn't. Something kept them alive and eventually made them more vibrant and attractive to tourists, especially those on the road. People, it seems to me, Jamie, when they go to a ghost town, they want those echoes of the old West. If you're in Southern California, where I grew up and where you grew up, it was nothing to go to Knott's Berry Farm. That whole Knott's experience was a lot of fun. I did it countless times. Not the same thing as when you go to a town that is very concerned about preserving their heritage with actual buildings kept in a good state of repair so that the West, the old West still lives. 
Yes, and often it's down to one or two people. I mean, there's a town, Oatman is, is a little bit of a, a tourist popular place, but there's a town called Chloride outside Oatman, which is like a proper ghost town. I think that, you know, and what's happened is some artist bought up the place, lives there, makes his, um, you know, kind of metal sculptures, things like that, arranges things around the town, but it's basically, um, just the ghost. It's the remnants of a, what had been a mining town. And there are places like that. If you have your nose and eyes tuned to these sorts of places, you, you'll find them out there. There's um, my favorite ghost town is in back here in California, up in Bodie, up there, which the state has taken over and preserved. So it doesn't have the kind of sarsaparilla um, stands <laughs> that you get in the ghost town, quote unquote, like Virginia City. But I mean, there are so many of these neat old places, like you say, all over Utah, Montana, mostly related to mining, because those were the kind of boom towns where suddenly there's something people need. And um, there's money to be made, which tends to be the reason why cities get established. But for them to survive usually takes somebody who cared enough about the um, kind of legacy and heritage to preserve them. And, you know, I actually really like mining. And that's the thing that links Bisbee was a, a huge mining town, much bigger than Oatman ever was. And there is what is probably the largest open pit mine and it's you know it's kind of disturbing but it's actually pretty beautiful too because it's this red rock that's got this bright blue water in the basis of it in the base the bottom of this huge open pit crater and it's right in the center of town i mean bisbee um would not have existed without copper which is the main i think arizona is the copper state there's huge copper deposits still there and those are the sorts of enterprises that we probably wouldn't be allowed anymore with all our kind of EPA minded protecting ourselves from all the kind of um, elements and poisons that go into mining and extractive industries. But to see the remnants of these things is, is really quite, um, it, it, it's very photogenic. I mean, I go around, I love rust and ghost towns abound in rust. So if you have an eye for those sorts of places, um, the, the, this road is absolutely wonderful place to travel. It seems we've teleported from Oatman to Bisbee, and that's fine. So let's talk more about Bisbee. I understand, Jamie, that you can actually go on a mine tour there, but you better bring a sweater. Yeah, well, it's um, and it's run by old miners. I mean, Bisbee or or the descendants of miners. Yeah, you go down. I think it's called the Lavender Pit, which was named for a man, not the color, but or the flower. But yeah, Bisbee and Oatman are good contrast to kind of get the sense of the range of what Arizona has to offer in its wide open spaces because Bisbee has been kind of upgraded. It's actually kind of upscale. There's, you know, you can get a nice bottle of wine at a restaurant in Bisbee, which I think you'd be hard pressed to find in Oatman somehow, but it's, again, it's, it's high up in the mountains. It's a nice place to be. The air is fresh. You can gaze out over Mexico and the wide horizons that people are attracted to Arizona for, but yeah, as kind of um, poles of this experience, they make really good kind of um, the differences and the similarities are really worth understanding. Tell us, Jamie, about the drive itself. Now, not exactly central to that whole route, but in a way, it's it's sandwiched. It's it's definitely bookended. You talk about Phoenix and you talk about Tucson. If you're making a drive of this nature, is it going to be arduous for you to get to these kingpin towns of Arizona. I mean, if you want to go see Phoenix, my goodness, there's so much to see. But is that going to take you off the off the beaten path that you thought you were taking? 
Yeah, it's hard to find a kind of peace and quiet in Phoenix or Tucson or any of these places. <laughs> you know, that's but the the places in between. One of my absolute favorite spots in Arizona is a little um, nature reserve along the, the very road. Highway ninety three is the road that kind of links us, um, and that's getting to be a very big road because it goes. You know, it'll probably be an interstate. You know, be, <laughs> if if all this money starts flowing through the infrastructure plans, but. You know, just off it, there's old rivers, there's old canyons. So you can find peace and quiet. You can find natural beauty. Even in Phoenix, there's a wonderful desert museum there with a botanic garden. So, I mean, this is what I do in the book is trying to you know, get people from A to B, but also say wonderful places to stop along the way. And you'll stop and eat. There's a, a place I was highlighting in the book. It's a um, steakhouse in Southern Arizona that is in the shape of a giant longhorn skull. And it's, you know, it's probably 40 feet from one horn to the other. And they sell really good food. It's a popular hangout. You know, Friday nights, they have karaoke and steak night. And it's a great place to get a feel for how people live in these places that look kind of desolate and wide open. But then, you know, there's ranchers and cowboys and all the kind of things that seem far away from most of our day-to-day -day lives. And if we're going to be talking about places to see in Arizona, I mean, the Grand Canyon, yeah, there, that would be a good idea. They're actually talking about creating a skyway of sorts where you can walk across it. I hadn't heard about that before. No, well, it's it's um kind of a, a big piece of plexiglass that they've stuck over the edge. So it sort of cantilevers out over the edge of the Grand Canyon. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's called the Skywalk. And it's a bit, you know, I'm I'm not a big fan of tourist attractions. I don't like paying admission fees to anywhere. I like just kind of walking around and seeing the actual place rather than somebody's idea of a, an attraction. But it's pretty spectacular. And it's it's a that is a long haul from anywhere. But the Grand Canyon itself is something, you know, everyone's bucket list probably contains because it's just fantastic and even in the winter months you know there may be snow on the top but you walk down a mile deep to get to the Colorado River there and you go through almost every climate zone so you can walk down into summertime weather even when it's snowing up on the rim so the the Grand Canyon the, I mean Arizona is really blessed it's got Sedona which is another huge attraction which is just off Route 66 there's another great ghost town called Jerome that's just off 66. So, I mean, you, you're talking about a seven hour drive. I'd like to give it at least seven days to do some of these places. If you wanted to really focus on it instead of being on your way to somewhere else, absolutely that's true. And let me put in a plug here, Jamie, because I've been there. I don't think it was a national park at the time when I was there back in the 80s. I'm not quite sure. I thought it was more of a national monument. Nevertheless, if you want to see stately groves of saguaro, cacti, around Tucson, you have Saguaro National Park. What an extraordinary piece of land that is. I remember walking around it just awestruck because when you, you come from other places in the country, it seems otherworldly. Yeah, it, it is literally a kind of, I think there's two parts of it, one east and one west on both sides of Tucson. And so it kind of stops it from sprawling. But saguaro are those famous kind of roadrunner cactus, right? They've got the big arms and you just feel like you are in the Southwest deserts when you, when you see them. And they're, they're massive, great plants. And so that's some of the variety that you get that you have, you can experience that sort of nature. I mean, the, one of my favorite places to explore where they have some of these saguaro cactus is called the Superstition Mountains, east of Phoenix. So these places, wherever you're, you're driving along 
by all means, you know, you got to get from A to B, but take time to stretch your legs and walk through these parks, explore them, get out of the car and wander about because then you hear the bird life. That's one of the things that drew me to Arizona and in the wintertime in particular, there's so many migratory birds. I saw my first cardinal in Arizona, which oh, is really? appropriate because it's the football team now, I guess. <laughs> yes. like, what is he doing here? I thought, you know, <laughs> they don't belong here, but it was just spectacular. And against the red rocks to see this brilliant red bird just flying around having the time of his life. I thought, I can see why this is a national park. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Let's offer people some practical advice because there are many who may wish to make this trek. And when they do, if they're going to do it in winter, I mean, you're not driving through winter in Vermont, you're out in Arizona. Nevertheless, there are some preparations that need to be made. When you were making this trip, however many times you did it, how did you prepare yourself? How did you how did you provide and provision yourself entering a harsh desert climate after all? And it's you and the road and all of that desert. Yes. And my, I, at least two gallons of water at all times, just to have in the, the passenger seat or whatever, just in case something goes a bit funny. Um, but the, the, the desert in winter, it can get cold and it can get wet, but it's the one thing to remember is the days are so much shorter in the winter time that you really can't, you know, you've got to be prepared because when nightfall, it gets dark. So you don't want to be driving around after dark, but there's, um, it's, um, there's still some fantastic old motels. There's a place in Bisbee, which I really love thinking of if you're going to actually be planning ahead. There's a it's called the Shady Dell RV Park, and they house you in old Airstream type trailers uh, that are parked around. And it's just such a wonderful kind of throwback experience. To have. And they have, you know, VCRs with old 50s movies. So you can watch Rebel Without a Cause while hanging out in your classic old Airstream or Spartan trailer. And those are the sorts of things that really make the experience memorable because it's these are different sorts of places and they kind of like their offbeat character a little bit so like I said there was that diner that looks like a longhorn skull there's lots of wacky Americana as well as the real history and the beautiful scenery and you can knock back a few if you go to one of the rough and tumble bars around there I'm sure that Oatman and Bisbee alike would have those to offer people if you just want to get the feel of what it is to be a local in either of those communities. Absolutely. And then the conversations you can have, because there's so many different cultures in, in Arizona. I mean, there's a significant kind of Mormon presence. So some of the towns are very much oriented toward kind of families and other places are like you're saying more the kind of honky tonk end of the spectrum. And Bisbee, is, I really like for that reason. It, it's got, you know, there's actually a nightclub. They still have bands playing even, you know, they're outdoors now, but they can get away with that in Arizona. So it's, um, <laughs> yes. yeah, and there's a I think there's something about the kind of wide open spaces when people are left alone, they get kind of bigger than life. So you get these like dude type characters with the big cowboy hats and the pickup trucks. And it is still the Wild West is definitely alive and well in places like Tucson, Bisbee, Oatman um, and everywhere in between. As you note in your book, Road Trip USA, there are desert rats, and we don't say that by means of disparagement. I've used that phrase many times. I lived five years in Las Vegas. There were those who were well attuned to desert living, and we used to call them desert rats. They like it there. It gives them particular advantages. And in Arizona, wow, you can pick your spot, and you're going to get something unique. That's what I discovered. 
Yeah, for sure. And there's a whole crew of people. I mean, there is this, um, I think they call them sunbirds, the people who come down from places like Minnesota in their RVs, and they just park along the Colorado River for two or three months. And, you know, this London Bridge of all bizarre things is sitting over the Colorado River. It's been reconstructed, an actual kind of 17th century bridge brought from London and rebuilt in Arizona. Hmm, why? I don't know exactly, but Lake, ha Lake Havasu City, which is a really huge draw both for older people who are retired and also young people the college break scene there i stumbled upon that one time and it was kind of crazy the drunken people on jet skis i thought no oh, this is not going to end well but they were having the time of their lives so there's something for everybody out there for sure oh well if we're going to put it in those terms now once these uh well, I don't know about spring breakers, actually, it's a function of age. But once anybody hits 21, yes, go, go see London Bridge, go to Lake Havasu, Arizona. At that point, you're not that far from Laughlin, Nevada, you can have some of that Vegas style action. Well, and Laughlin is actually the place to stay if you're going to go explore Oatman. It's only about, what, 15 miles away, but it's um, such a different world because it's, you know, it's it's a little bit anonymous in some way. These huge, there's a, my, one of my favorite casinos is, um, right, it's built like a giant riverboat steamer sitting mm. along the Colorado River in Laughlin, and it's just kind of crazy, but it catches your eye and then you can stay there. They're pretty expensive if you're not there on a Friday or Saturday night in particular. So, and you know, it's, they still have these all you can eat buffets like late, like Las Vegas used to have. And so if you can kind of tune yourself to fit to the place, what the place has to offer, you know, there's two or 3000 hotel rooms in Laughlin that, you know, a lot of the times they're pretty empty. And I, I've spent $19 a night, like two years ago to stay there. And I thought, well, this is a pretty good deal. You know, it's not a deluxe room, but it's nice and I can sleep and then I can go and explore the next day. So, I mean, to know about these things in advance. And I have, you know, tried every cheeseburger between Oatman and Bisbee. So I kind of <laughs> could recommend them with some confidence that, you know, places to stop, places to check out. And it's really worth it to do some homework so you know how to time your journey because the distances are kind of um, awesome <laughs> in some of these places. Yes. yes, without planning, they can be forbidding. That's absolutely true. And in Laughlin, by the way, you can get some great hotel rates at the holidays. Jamie Jensen, it always goes so fast with you, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for these the good travel log you have provided. I want to get more into ghost towns with you the next time you are on the show. You have a red carpet rolled out, and we await your next appearance. Thank you, Jamie. Well, that was a blast. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.